Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivy, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you've had a wonderful week so far. We are really excited for this week's podcast. Uh, we've got Gray here this week talking about raw. Gray, how you been? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast. Brittany's been doing such a good job. Uh, but we wanted to bring Gray on because this is still Nutritional Awareness Month. We've talked about kibble. We've talked about treats. We've talked about if your dog doesn't like kibble or if, or if you think your dog's not food motivated. We want to talk about raw diet this week. And I know Gray's been studying his butt off for his raw diet certification. So this is really just going to be a, a really starting conversation on raw. As we sit here and drink our not raw drinks, uh, as I'm drinking my margarita and Gray has his beer and Britt is over in the chair just recording us doing this. So I'm sure you guys will see that on Instagram. So make sure you follow us on Instagram. There we are. So Gray, how's your brain feeling after all this education you've been doing? Exhausted and a little <laughs> depressed too. You know, I felt the same way with doing the nutrition uh, certification. I was like, man, I never want to feed kibble again. But even though it's easiest, I was a little disappointed in learning all the things about kibble. So let's start out with talking about, because people, I think, get really freaked out when you talk about raw food. Um, but tell us why the raw diet is so good for dogs. Yeah. Yeah. There's always that concern about raw food. That's if you Google it, it's the main thing that pops up is, you know, vets don't like raw food because, you know, all diseases and parasites and stuff. And, and I would, I probably wouldn't recommend raw food to a household that has small children or young kids because, you know, you know, obviously dogs eat the raw food and then lick the kid's lick face. The, fa yeah, the salmonella was one thing that you always heard about was 
salmonella, right? They're eating raw food. You got salmonella. It gets in their mouth. And then now when I was feeding raw way back in the day, and it has been quite a few years since I've fed raw, um, I was always told that the the dog's intestinal tract system is very short. And of course, it's very acidic so that the salmonella, we don't have to worry about as much with salmonella. So can you kind of help people's fear? Yeah. And you can also freeze the meat too, which does kill a lot of bacteria as well. And there's, you know, the bad side of that is it does strip a little of the nutrients, which we'll get more into in a bit. But yeah, for the most part, you don't really have to worry about it as long as you're just washing your hands, not touching your face, not getting licked in in the face by the dog immediately after eating. For the most part, you know, they'll kind of break that down. I mean, really, since 2020, I think everybody's washing their hands mm-hmm. 10 times more than they ever were. That's true. That's so, true. I mean, I think that it's anytime you're cooking raw, period or you're, you're dealing with raw food, period, whether you're feeding your kids, your family, or your dog, you have to, to use common sense. Wash your hands, wash the countertops, wash the utensils, wash the bowl when it's finished. Because I know a lot of people are probably not used to washing their dog's bowl after eating kibble. Right. But that can also create some diseases and problems. But with raw, it's especially important to do that. That's funny you said that. I, I uh, became more conscientious about that as soon as I was reading about this, the raw food. I started washing my dog's bowls a lot. A you lot started to become often. obsessive yeah, about and it. I started, you know, started adding a lot more supplements in there. Just like, hey, is my dog not getting what he needs to get? It is overwhelming when you start educating yourself because then everything hits you at one time. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, am I doing everything <laughs> right for my dog? And I, and I think that that's probably a part of why a lot of people are uncomfortable with going from a kibble to a raw for that fear that they're not giving their dog everything that they need even though with kibble, once you start to understand it, they don't really have everything they need in kibble either. So it, I think it's just really, it's it's a tough situation and it's hard yeah. with today's, you know, with, with the type of advertisements that are out there and what, the way veterinarians are all about kibble, 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 but they're not even picking good kibble. <laughs> you know, they're even recommending not great kibble. Yeah. Uh, and, and to give them a break, they don't get a lot of nutrition education in school and they have to really reach out afterwards. It's, it's much like human doctors. They don't, they don't get a lot of study on nutrition. So if you want to do nutrition for yourself, you need to go see a nutritionist. Absolutely. Right. So same thing kind of going with dogs, but we're here to at least get you a, a little bit educated on what raw diet, what it means, what it looks like, why it's so good, what things you need to look at. Now, again, this is just an introduction to this. We will probably go in a little bit deeper, maybe in the next coming months, but also keep in mind that if you are interested in this, sometime in April, we'll be launching our raw diet consultation where where you can speak with Gray and he can set you up on a raw diet. But we'll get into that, you know, in a few weeks or so. But I really do want to talk about kind of that purpose of the raw diet. So why don't we start out with what is a raw diet? Yeah. Uh, when, we, when we talk about raw diet, we're, we're really talking about a primordial, primordial diet. Oh, that's raw. my favorite. It's one of my favorite primordial words diet, to say, yeah. 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 Primordial. <laughs> I do that on a regular basis. Which is basically, you know, just organ meats, muscle meats, whole or ground, uh, bone, raw eggs, and, you know, dog-safe dog fruits and vegetables as well as yogurt, um, you know, protein, carbs. Now, let's fat. go to that bone for a second. Yeah. Because I know people freak out when I talk about giving raw bones to the dog, yeah. they freak out. But it's the cooked bones we oh, yeah. don't want to do. 
it's the raw bones that are really healthy for dogs. So I, I, yeah. I'm going to probably be interrupting him left and right because no, I'm also going to be learning some things um, at the same time and then kind of throwing some things out there. So y'all, I'm just excited about this as you are. You just want to make sure you're, ma- you're matching the size of the bone with the size of the dog. You know, in nature, dog swallows a small bone. They should, you know, regurgitate it back up. We shouldn't rely on that mechanism, of course, but in nature they should. And we don't want to get, we don't want to give a dog too big of a bone because then we can cause splitting of teeth and all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, rule of thumb is just give them the bone for a little bit, take away at the end of the day. Don't let them have it all the time because that can cause some problems. So I had given my Roddy that I had before Double D, um, when we were starting to do raw, I gave her a turkey neck. And I'll never forget that my partner at the time um, had given her the turkey neck and called me and said, uh, she just swallowed it whole. And so I was like, well, I guess we'll find out what's going to happen on that. And I guess enough, the the acidity in the system took care of it. Yeah. Uh, so she did not regurgitate it, thank goodness. But I can definitely see what you're talking about. Don't be given the small amounts. You want something they can crunch and really start that process of breaking it down inside the mouth yeah. before it, it and, reaches the stomach. And in nature, that's that's how dogs have always gotten their gotten their calcium, gotten their phosphorus. That's how they've gotten that source. Um, you know, you find most dogs nowadays, they don't really, they're, they're lacking in calcium. I mean, dogs really, really, really need that calcium, especially when they're growing, you know, developing those, that, the bones and getting the strength in there. Because calcium is something they cannot really produce much on their own. Is that, am I right on that? Yeah, most things. I'm still trying to tap into what I have studied on. tend to be essential, which essential just means it's not, fa- you know, they can't produce themselves. It has to be found in nature. Okay. The things they eat. But there can, can you overdo calcium? Absolutely. You okay. Know, I you thought. Overdo everything. Okay. Cause I thought yeah. it's always, you got, and that's, and I think that was another thing I was always scared of when I was doing raw is, am I giving too much calcium? Right. Yeah. And cause we would do, um, I would grind up eggshells and use that as a powder so, um, yeah, I mean, there's uh, y'all, it is, it is difficult and you're going to be like, I need to listen to this podcast 5,000 times and we've just gotten started and I keep interrupting poor gray and he's, he's doing his bed. He's like, my brain hurts and you're making me come do this on a Sunday <laughs> night, uh, to, to talk about this, but it is, it's, it's just overall, it's fascinating. Sorry. All right. No, so and, and, uh, what you said to your point, you know, giving too much, you know, calcium or any type of vitamin, it's, it's kind of example of that would be World War II when you rescued you know uh prisoners of war just you know people in prisons yes prison camps they uh they were fed very very low protein diets and they're very not malnourished then when we rescued them we fed them very high protein diets thinking that's what they needed for their for their um for their diet and right? make them feel better but you know actually a lot of them ended up dying because their body wasn't equipped to break down that protein at such a high level that their body just wasn't equipped and it kind of took into overload well, dogs the same way you know their diet is based on the nutrition. It's, they will break down certain, their enzymes will break down certain vitamins, minerals, depending on what they've had. And it's a, something we need to think about when feeding raw food or any food. I mean, is, do you, do you think that the, the canine body, is it intelligent enough to keep what it needs and expel what it doesn't? Or is it something that we really do have to be careful of because i think that would scare a lot of people yeah no i mean it's a good point dogs you know, wolves that's essentially what dogs are as far as their digestion tract it's and only their digestion tract we're not going to go training and all that yeah only digestion tract it's their taxonomy is pretty identical um and you know for the most part they're able to they're able to they're pretty good about score you know going for their own food and getting the nutrients they they're missing but 
now, since we've domesticated them, they look to us to provide that nutrition. I mean, there's some things you can do to that. You could set out some fruit and vegetables and let your dog pick which ones they like. But, well, some dogs will eat all the vegetables. Some dogs will eat none of them. Um, that's where you need to get really, really look at your diet and know what know what you're giving them so you can supplement properly and not overdo it or underdo it. Um, you know, you don't want to cause, what is it called? The, the big word that I cannot pronounce. Oh, great. Well, we have, y'all, we do have Brittany hanging out in here and she's usually really good at pronouncing things for us. So if we have to make her come over here and throw it in the microphone, we can't right. because. We just want to have some healthy, some healthy gut bacteria that we're finding out that's really, really what drives everything. Um, healthy the microbiome. The is microbiome. That, the microbiome is, that's it's the unforgotten. It's the unforgotten organ of the body. And we remember, guys, from our last podcast that uh, 98% of the immune system lies in the gut. So we have to make sure that we are making that gut as healthy as possible. Now, again, this is going to get a little overwhelming for you. I don't want you to freak out. We are just simply educating you. And if you want to get in deeper, we have ways that you can do that. So don't freak out. But um, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions because it's been a long time since I've done raw and I know there's a lot of new information that's out there. Uh, but what I'm understanding so far is that raw diet is really more natural for dogs than our processed food. Just like we eating whole foods better than processed food is going to be healthier for us. Yeah. Bottom they're, line. They're equipped to break down the raw food much better. It allows for more absorption, allows for more nutrition, well, nutrition absorption. It's just, it's better overall. Um, and there's cons to everything. Of course, you talk about anything raw, there's cons to that. But overall, raw food tends to be much better as far as getting everything they need for the dog. Well, I think there was one time, and I don't know if it was a year or two ago, that this, you know, because there are always diet fads for humans. And one of the ones that they were talking about was not overcooking your food. Yeah. And I can't remember what it was called, but I just remember people talked about you only cook like chicken to the specific degree and not overcooking because you lose so many more nutrients when you're overcooking things, which is our biggest problem with kibble. Mm -hmm. And of course, raw being in its raw form, um, the nutrients are there. They're not being uh, destroyed by cooking. But now there is an opportunity, you know, obviously we'll talk a little bit about raw versus homemade diets. Uh, which you basically just take the raw and same concept. You just cook it the smallest amount, minimal. Yeah. Some people feel more comfortable doing that mm -hmm. than feeding raw. Uh, but so no one we're talking about this raw home cooked diets. It's pretty similar. You're just cooking the raw ingredients a little bit, right? Yeah. You're, you're anytime you add heat to stuff, you're always going to lose some some matter in there. You're going to lose some nutrients in there. It's it's just part of cooking. Um, home meal. Home-cooked meals are great, but you're always going to have to add that back in the long run or feed them more of one type of... Um, or maybe add more supplements. Yeah, yeah. But what we're finding out, though, is, you know, just, you know, vitamin C, for example, vitamin C and synthetic vitamin C, they look almost identical. They act almost identical. But when it comes down to it, they they affect the body completely differently. So when we come into, you know, oh, yeah. dry kibble and stuff, that's becoming a problem now when you see all those 5,000 ingredients that you can't really uh say at the bottom of the recipe bag <laughs> or the ingredient bag uh, that's all those synthetic vitamins that are being added because of with the kibble 
they're being cooked out. So they're they're adding them back in a synthetic form. And just so guys, so you guys know, if you if you've not listened to the podcast or you've just forgotten, a lot of the synthetic vitamins are not made in the United States. Um, they are in a pre mix, and they are typically from well China. So I mean, if you're looking at, I just want American food and American grade. This is, you know, a common issue. And the only way you can really find out is calling the company that is making the food. And sometimes they don't even know where it comes from. So when we're talking vitamins, we don't want to use synthetic vitamins. We want to try to use the vitamins and nutrients that are in real food. I think that there's probably a point that we have to add in supplements and nutrients and vitamins and minerals because just in our day and age of our soil, uh, the way our animals are being raised... Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I know that you've been probably reading a little bit about that whole soil issue. I got a lot to get into with that one, but <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of skim on that. But yeah, you know, the food we're feeding today is not the same food that we were, you know, that wolves were being fed or domesticated dogs when they first, well, were domesticated. It's completely different now, and on a molecular level, it's you know we have we have selective breeding now that it's changed. You know, chickens are a lot have a lot more breast them now a lot bigger and they grow at a much 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 faster All those rate hormones yeah and that does change how you know change what chemicals are in their body which then you know in turn affects what chemical you know what nutrients the dog is getting yeah and that does play a bigger role and then you have you know you have that but then you have the growing of food you know with our advancement of agriculture we grow for example a cornfield you have a lot of corn in one area. There's no competition, which does create some type of, you know, creates a lot more diseases. And in nature, you, you know, those are, they're a lot more spread out, a lot more spread out. And planting the same food over and over and over just strips the soil of nutrients. And then every single time, every single season, this, the soil just get less and less and less nutrients, not to mention the glyphosate and Roundup and, uh. and, pest, you know, and pesticides, which... Of course, binds to those to those minerals like manganese, magnesium, phosphorus, and then that's just stripped out of the soil, stripped out of the plant, and then we're not getting those nutrients, which is becoming a big problem because a lot of dogs are becoming deficient in these nutrients. Um, let's take vitamin D for example. You know, dogs in the wild would eat rodents which have been you know have been out in the sun and synthesized vitamin D, but nowadays these animals are know produced in factories and they don't get the vitamin d they need in which case the dogs don't get the vitamin d they need which is causing malnutrition these are things that like the normal person doesn't even think about and no. and even i am in this world of nutrition and food and dogs and i don't even think about the vitamin d aspect of it of you know that these animals the way that it's it's no longer this free range natural food source it, it is we're trying to change it and of course with supply and demand we are and I, I mean i'm going to say with humans i mean i i'm watching these like even these children where especially the female children that are starting to develop things as as a child way earlier because of the hormones that have been added uh, the steroids that have been added to a lot of our food and you know, if we're doing that to our human food, can you can imagine what we're what we're doing to our dog food? Oh yeah. I mean, they're just kind of getting the, the kind of the leftovers. No matter how good those leftovers are, when you're not starting from something great, yeah. And that's, that's an issue. And that's the problem. They don't really have to specify what you know where the protein comes from. It could be chicken feathers. It could be chicken feet. Which you know, chicken feet are good, but 
I kind of want to know what 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 part am yeah, I getting of this? Exactly, and that that tends to be a problem because each part of the body does produce a different nutrient we need. Like you know, for example, the heart produces a lot of different vitamins we need, completely different from the liver. Um, but you can't give too many too much heart. You don't want to overload it on the heart because then you can create some problems with too many nutrients. Yeah, I'm so glad I'm drinking margarita right now because the information that is thrown out is like, holy moly, what do you mean? Like, I mean, just to know how bad our soil is, I mean, that, and it makes sense because it just, it just sucks it dry. And then we're putting in, you know, food in soil that doesn't have any nutrients left. Oh my God, yeah. this is getting, this, I'm getting a little depressed. <laughs> I think I'm going to, I'm going to have to send Brett for a refill on this drink here in a second. I mean, this is a little depressing. You guys hang in there with us now, and now's a good time to go grab a drink. If you're listening to this, I mean, like, holy crap, I don't even know what to eat myself. I don't know what to feed my dogs. I don't know what to do here. We're going to help you. Don't worry, but drink along with us. It'll make you feel better. Oh, yeah. Although, I'm not, I hope my tequila came from good soil. I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's got to be a plant somewhere, right? Well, scientists right? say the glass of <laughs> doesn't strip the nutrients from the humans, but then we talk about the gut, though. Oh, not yeah. a lot of study done about the... The gut, all the micronutrients in the gut, it's it's wild. It's crazy. I'm ha and to be honest, I'm having to take this course twice now because there's so much specific things in there. I'm having I'm taking the course twice just so I can make sure I have all the specifics down. And I think that just like with anything else, we get the basics of things. And you know, I got my certification in the canine nutrition specialist, and so did Gray, but. You know, it's again, just you can get a certification, but you're still going to continue learning and you're still going to continue researching things. And and that's why this is going to be a little rough podcast for us. But you know what? We're just going to go with it and throw out this information to you guys. And you may listen to it multiple times. You may be like, oh, my God, they're all over the place and I can't listen to it. <laughs> and instead, you just want to do a consultation with Gray. You know, that'd be fine, too. Um, but we just want you to be aware that there are other ways to make your dogs healthy. Um, I know personally I'm dealing with, uh, uh, you know, we have our 15-year-old who's, he's fairly doing good. He's, he doesn't have a lot of muscle mass left. And I'm dealing with my almost 11-year-old who's got cancer. Being a Rottweiler, it's not surprising. Um, and I've used to feed her raw and I've been doing kibble. And then I have to ask myself, am I doing the right thing? Have, could I have done something different knowing her genetics? Um, so guys, you know, just know that we understand there's a lot of information out there and we're here to try to bring you as much information as we can to get you thinking. You know, we want you to start thinking. We want you to take some responsibility and do some research because like Gray said, there's a lot of information and it can be way overwhelming. And considering that most humans don't even put that much thought in their own nutrition, you know, it's something that it's just going to take a little time, but we're here to help you as best as we possibly can uh, with the raw diet. So um, I think that the, I think it's just disappointing to hear about our soil and how it's affecting everything and basically how our animals are being raised uh, and our feeding supplies are being treated and all that good stuff. And, and that reminds me that with uh, organic food, um, and I, I remember, and I don't remember the exacts, and maybe Gray does, of how they can claim it's organic. 95%. 95%. Yeah. So that means that's still 5%. Even organic food is affected by, you know, by sprays and other stuff that, you know, maybe that a farm next door is doing. Because you, know, you have water, you know, water runs. Water <laughs> runs into the ground and yeah. it just, it's, oh man, guys, it's just, uh, makes me just want to, I don't know. 
makes me just be, you know what? I'm going to stick to a liquid diet. <laughs> I'm just going to go with that from here. We're just going to do a liquid diet right here. All right. So what else can you tell us about the raw diet? I do have some specific questions, but I'm letting him kind of run to see what he's got going. Yeah. Um, but I'll ask some specific questions. It's just, it's, it's overwhelming. And this is, this is going to be part one to part two. So oh, yeah. just be prepared. Part two will be coming out next week, but uh, this is definitely going to be a two-parter. And this, again, this is just the start. We'll probably go in a lot more in depth in April or May yeah. with this. Oh, yeah. We can, get, we can get down to specifics. But what it really comes down to is just try food is about convenience and it's just really convenience and price. And then when it comes down to raw food, that's, I mean, that's, you know, raw food and cooked food, of course. That's really about nutrition. That's really the best nutrition you can give your dog. So, I mean, it's going to be different for every household. Some people can't afford it. Some people don't have time to deal with it. Some people just, you know, I'm sure it grosses out a lot of people as well. Yeah. So, you know, you, you really just have to find out what's best for your lifestyle. But what it's really coming down to is convenience or price. <laughs> your price, yeah. Well, and you know, and I do have, we have a lot of clients that are also vegan or vegetarians and the thought of giving them, giving their dog turkey hearts, just dehydrated turkey (laughs) hearts for treats can gross them out. There are ways that people can supplement a raw or cooked diet into a kibble and still make the kibble healthier, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can definitely, I recommend you doing your research. You're not adding extra nutrients in there or, you know, not enough nutrients in there, but you can definitely supplement it. You can do 25% raw, 75%, you know, kibble. You can do 25 raw, 25 cooked. You can do a mixture of a lot of different things. What's really important though, is you do your research though and figure out what foods are rich and what nutrients, what vitamins. That's the most important. What are some of the most important nutrients or vitamins that dogs truly need? I mean, we know calcium is there, but we also know that calcium can go overboard. And I think the, what they're saying is that minimum for puppies are like 1.8% calcium, um, 1.6 for adults. Uh, what are they really saying about the like calcium? Because I think that is a, important when you're looking at the bone structure. Yeah. It's extremely, calcium is extremely important when they're, especially when they're growing, especially when you get to an older age, but you know, things like manganese, manganese is, you know, it's not found in a lot of common foods we fear dogs. And you find a lot of dogs are, not yeah. you know not getting the not enough. enough um you know of course vitamin c is really really a lot of dogs are deficient in vitamin c a lot of dogs are not getting enough vitamin c but then people hear that you know my dog needs vitamin c and they go out and get a vitamin c pill a synthetic vitamin and try to overload them with it and they're you know try to overload those vitamins with our dog their dog could, dog's body might read it wrong it can actually start attacking itself um you really just want to make sure you know what you're giving your dog and what actual vitamins luckily though USDA, and we can always post a link on this. Yeah. USDA database has a link for, uh, you can actually build your own raw chart on their website. Oh, and that's figure out brilliant. Which, you know, what, what values have been assigned for each type of food and what, you know, what they're vitamin rich in. And you can really, really, really find a nice diet for your dog, depending on your lifestyle. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes because I think that's really important um, that people understand. Now, when I was having the interview with Dr. Dodd, she had made a comment, and I hope I don't misquote her, um, that something like vitamin D, I take vitamin D myself, but uh, she mentioned about if you're going to do vitamin D as a supplement, that you have to, you need to really supplement with selenium as well so that the vitamin D is absorbed. Now, 
that she was talking about dogs with that. And of course, also talking with me about that. But those are the type of things where I'm like, holy moly. Like I, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming on that. And I think that probably when you're looking at raw diets, I think that's the majority of the thing that freaks people out. And I know it does me is, am I giving the right amount of nutrients, vitamins and minerals and is my, you know, is my dog healthy enough? Because if I'm correct and I could be wrong, I don't think normal blood work is going to test for those types of vitamins and minerals. I think you may be special blood works. I think we need to get, we need to get a, a veterinarian on yeah. here with, uh, with some nutritional education on that. Because yeah. I think that that's one thing that people freak out of. They think that, okay, if I give a kibble, then the dog's getting all the vitamins and minerals. But again, even a kibble you're not necessarily giving your dog the right amount of vitamins and minerals and the healthiest vitamins and minerals. Yeah. There's a lot of those are synthetic vitamins. The right. The dog, you know, is, is reading completely differently. They have complete different functions. The isomers. I mean, they look the same, but they don't act the same. Y'all, it is really, there's a lot of information. It's overwhelming, but you know, I think that if we look at it, if we just take our time, and I do think that over the next few years, I, I believe that we're going to have more information and easier um, access to information for this. Cause I think that, I mean, just food in general, I mean, the dog food industry is a billion dollar industry. And I promise you guys, the, the companies that make kibble don't want you going to a raw diet. They do not want you going to, to a raw or even a home cooked diet. They want to stick you with that kibble. And again, I think that kibble is very easy to use. And when I was doing a raw diet, when I, I traveled a lot with my dogs with search and rescue, it was not easy, uh, taking a raw diet. So I would do it like a dehydrated diet. I would do, um, some raw, but then I would supplement with kibble. Whereas I think that if you do a kibble and supplement with raw, with raw, you know, that may at least get you started yeah. making, you know, your dog a little healthier. Cause I think that we still have, we don't have to worry, maybe worry about as much of the nutrients and the vitamins and minerals. Am I saying that correctly? Or yeah, and, and they're getting the moisture in there. I mean, a lot of dogs are dehydrated because they're eating all this dry kibble. So dry. And you cook the food, you're losing, you know, chicken has, what is it, 70%, 75% water? Yeah. Losing all that water in there and they have to refill it back some way. You know, just like in humans, we don't, we don't have enough water in our system. We can't. Our body can't digest the yeah. way the body can't absorb the nutrients we need. And then it just comes out of waste. We imagine waste just e- imagine just eating <laughs> potato chips and not having a lot of water to ingest, right? I mean, you're, that's so dry. There's no water in that. So yeah. you have to, to even put more water into your body. And, and there are a lot of dogs that have bladder issues, kidney stones um, that can, you know, and urinary tract infections. So yeah. I think that. Anytime you're looking at that, I mean, kibble, you're you're pretty much stuck with a certain amount of moisture, and that's it. Almost yeah. every kibble is the same when it comes to moisture content. Pretty much. And I'm just, the more I read, the more it's just about, you know, the healthy gut, healthy bacteria in the stomach is what causes a lot of these problems with cancer and, you know, links to heart disease and links to arthritis, actually. A lot of links. I have a whole list here, actually, I can get into. You know, it even causes a lot of food allergies. Ah, they start, yes. You know, they start digesting it different ways and start attacking different things. It's, you know, it, fat, you know, having a healthy gut is really, really, really huge. I think it's probably the the kind of the core to everything. Cause, mm-hmm. And this is what I tell people when I deal with dogs that have behavior issues is that, look, if you don't feel good, 
Your fuse is going to be really short. You are not going to be acting well. So the first thing I look at is that gut. Because believe it or not, guys, nutrition can play a part in aggression. Um, too much protein, poor protein can cause problems with it. Um, it's usually not the cure-all, but it definitely plays a part. Because think about the days that you don't feel good, how short your fuse is. And I know when I don't feel good, I mean, I'm definitely, when I've eaten something that, that makes me feel bloated, I am not in a good mood. And I'm very short-fused. You know, but the days that I have gotten natural fuel from food, I feel like I'm on top of the world. And, and I can even do that when I, when I remember when I'm eating right, and I don't always eat right. When I'm eating right, I don't need caffeine. I don't need anything to get me going. I mean, it is, it's amazing at the difference the way I feel when my body is not having to work that hard to digest the things that are in my body and to try to figure out what's, what, what do I need to keep and what do I need to get out of here? Yeah. And these dogs can't tell you that. Mm-mm. No, but, they can but, just eat grass and, and, and try to fill those those voids that they don't know where to fill them because let's talk about grass eating because yeah. that is something that comes up a lot in the spring. Now for me, I always tell people that yeah, they eat grass, it's got chlorophyll, it's a you know, it's it's yummy, it's fun. But if you have a dog who's eating grass consistently, what is that telling us? It, it could I mean it's not always, but it could be tell, the dog could be trying to fill that gap, trying to fill that nutrient that they're missing and just like I said earlier, they're, you know, they're really good at finding the nutrients they need in nature. It's just the problem is we, we don't allow them to. They don't have that ability to go out and find those things in nature because, well, they're not. We've destroyed a lot of nature yeah. with our civilization. And two, they really, really look to us now because, you know, since we've domesticated them and bred them so long, they really, really look to us to feeding them those nutrients they need. And they have no way of telling us they need it. So a dog, you know, trying to scarf up every piece of grass they can get or whatever they're really really looking to fill in that whatever it is so that was because we get a lot of complaints in training that dogs are eating mulch well dirt, their stomach hurts sticks, could be that too right yeah. there's all they're always kind of like eating dirt like they put something in their mouth now i get tickled when every time i have a lab owner who's like my dog eats everything that's on the ground well you have a lab but there's minerals in the soil. But looking at seriously at that's it, that's why we have salt licks if, for deer. Yes, and stuff like that. when we have dogs that are like eating dirt consistently, more than likely they're lacking on some type of mineral that they're searching for. Exactly. Exactly. So your dogs are talking to you. Sometimes you think that a dog is just giving you a bad behavior and they're just being a jerk. But we got to look past that and see is there something that they're missing with whatever mineral that may be. Yeah. I tell you, there's, oof. yeah, we need to find a veterinarian that'll come on and say, this is what we can do to test that. Right. Because I think that it's important. I think that if we make nutritional screenings as a part of their yearly, you know, uh, physical, I think we could tell a lot. Y'all, I don't know if y'all just heard that or not, but I'm pretty sure that Isabella just went after all three cats at the same time. <laughs> She's so bored. She's been ringing the bell for five minutes and we're all ignoring her. Because yeah, she wants to go outside, but and hopefully, right? I'm next. What I'm taking is the essential oil. Oh thing. no, I'm but, taking the essential oil well, too. Because what <laughs> they're mentioning something about essential oils can help with the absorption rate of certain vitamins. It can helps help. That's increase the absorption rate. Well, that's yeah. interesting. So, so yeah, so we're gonna be into that. that. 
Yeah, we're going to be doing that one too, y'all. Y'all got all kinds of new things coming your way because we do want to make your life better. We want to make your dog's life better. We we're trying to speak for your dog here. That's that's the point here is helping you to see where your dog's coming from. Um, and this raw thing, whoo. So with raw diets, we deal with a lot of dogs that have food sensitivities, intolerances. We have preached about getting the food sensitivity saliva test with Dr. Gene Dodds. Um, I still think it's a really good starting point and a really good reference for that. Um, but would you say that, and, and this is another thing is, I've heard, y'all hear that barking? Uh, Britt's going to go take care of them, but we are not stopping recording because you're listening to a dog training podcast. You can deal with the barking. Um that I've heard some dogs that have problems, say with like chicken and a kibble, can eat raw chicken. So they're not sensitive to the raw version, but they're sensitive to the kibble version. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of little details that you may have to be a chemist for that. But would a raw diet not be a better choice if you have a dog who is sensitive or intolerant to certain ingredients? Because you have much better control, right? Theoretically, yeah. I mean, because you know exactly what you're putting into their body. I, of course, though, just like with example with the prisoners if you try to overload that too if you try to switch straight over to raw that can cause some problems the, because the body doesn't know how to you know the body isn't producing the enzymes to break down that food and then it can cause a lot of problems but slowly transitioning if appropriate after talking to your nutritionist and or your vet it can definitely work but you know raw raw food provides the most nutrition and is the easiest for the dog to absorb and you know exactly what you're putting in to their body as opposed to kind of playing the guessing game with, with kibble. Um, so theoretically, yeah, raw food should help strengthen that, you know, your dog's overall, overall health and relieve allergy symptoms. That's what I'm, everything I'm reading. Uh, and that's everything I've always seen is, I mean, I would much prefer that if, you know, a lot of times when we get people that are like, well, my dog may be intolerant or sensitive or people say allergic, but let me tell you guys that dogs are not really allergic to food unless they go into like anaphylaxis <laughs> or something like that's an allergy. We're talking sensitivities and tolerances that can come out and throwing up gas, um, excessive shedding, itchiness, licking the paws, those type things. Um, a lot of vets will put dogs on an elimination diet, but the problem is that the elimination diet, they're still feeding kibble, mm -hmm. which means there's still a lot of things are being added. So truly, if you want to know if your dog has an intolerance or sensitivity, switch it maybe to a raw cooked diet and stick it with a certain protein, certain vegetable or fruit to start out with. Seems like that would be the better plan. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's what their body is designed to take in. It's what their body's designed to, to absorb. Um, I tell you really raw. Yeah. Raw really is so much better. <laughs> I mean, truly. Um, so you were talking about switching over. What is the best way for people to switch over? Is it something to where you're just kind of adding in small amounts of raw into the kibble over a period of months, weeks? What does that look like? I always encourage you to talk to a nutritionist or a vet first before you make any decision, but I love yeah, his disclaimers. <laughs> Me, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not trying to steer anyone the wrong way, but no, you, you really want to do it transition very, very slowly. You want to get them used to it. You want to make sure they're tolerating it correctly. And you're going to have some probably loose stool because I mean, try to eat McDonald's every day for a year and then yeah, detox. To it. I mean, yeah. yeah, there's going to be that detox period there. Um, and luckily the USDA website should help you out to figure out that diet. And there are some great resources online to help you figure that out. Um, but a slow transition is probably the best way. You maybe start, you know, 10% raw or 25% raw on the rest kibble and then 
over a couple weeks, you add five percent more each each kind of each day or each week. I mean, um, would you suggest so like starting out with kibble, maybe supplementing with just some meat or supplementing with vegetables and fruit to start with, or what's kind of the best? Because I'm guessing you don't want to do it all at once. Well, it's going to kind of depend on what your food is missing and what kind of things you need to add. Because you know, a lot of people think raw is just adding that adding that ground beef, adding that right. fat in there. But really organs is the multivitamin of the, of the body. Organs are the multivitamins of the dogs. Every single organ provides a different nutrient and some of them higher than, than others. Um, organs are the, probably the most overlooked thing. And when we talk about raw in the raw, in the raw community, they call, they call it Franken, Franken prey, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Which is, it's, it's literally in nature, a dog should have a whole a whole prey, you know, including the including the skin, including the fur, including the feathers. That is, it's high in a lot of different nutrients, and and of course you're not you're not really able to find that unless you live out in the country like we do. You know, yep. Maybe you get a whole deer, but for people in the city and stuff, you might mix and match spranking meats with like, you know, uh, pig pig cheeks, and then you know lamb lamb tail, and then chicken feet, and you'll kind of. You kind of want to picture a whole animal in your mind and kind of build one with different animals that your dog naturally would have in their environment. And you have to think about that as well as, you know, where, what kind of prey would your dog have depending on where they're located? Right. Like feeding your dog raw kangaroo. Yeah. Not only is it going to be difficult here in the United States. <laughs> right. I mean, you wouldn't, just because my dog's an Australian shepherd doesn't mean doesn't they're mean actually, he's actually Aussie. exactly. They're actually made in you know America. <laughs> So I wouldn't give them kangaroo necessarily. You know, it's funny you say because I remember anytime like chicken liver or chicken gizzards were on <laughs> sale at the store. Oh man, I was like, I was buying a ton of those. I was not eating them myself, but I would feed them to the dogs. Right. And they loved them. I mean, loved them. Of course, I mean, my dad eats chicken gizzards. I can't, I don't, no, my dog can have them. But you're right. I think I do a lot of people forget about that the organs are so important. They really are. Um, with so many, they're just packed full of nutrients. Mm-hmm. And it makes me, you know, even the freeze-dried treats, you got to think Which about that. Which we use, gotta, yes. You got to not overload them with that too. Really? really now say sure, this is something new for me. Even though they're cooked, they are cooked, so they're not going to have as many nutrients in there. So you can give a lot more, but you still want to make sure you're not overdoing it with the amount of duck hearts. That's why, you know. Going back to our Nikki's doggy crack, you want to yes. make sure you have a variety of different treats because, well, I mean, I didn't even think about that. If you have a lot, I have duck hearts, I have duck liver, I have, you know, I have a lot of different organs that I'm already feeding my dog. So there's another way you can start giving your dog that nutrition they need is feeding them, you know, freeze dried food or those treats like that. Well, they still like have nutrients in them. A lot of our, a lot of the treats that we use, I put a combination in my. Tupperware, mm-hmm. and they get really crumbly. So mm-hmm. I end up with just a, almost a powdery. And I took and cleaned out and put it in a jar, and we now use it as a food topper Excellent. on the kibble. Yeah. So even though it is still cooked, it's still more of it has more of like the turkey hearts, the duck hearts, less preservatives and less lamb long. Back in and there. Yes, yeah. exactly. So we're just kind of adding a little bit as a topper to help with the dog. So uh, yeah, and that's what we talked about last week is. Your treats need to be just as healthy, not, you know, feeding all this crap for treats. I think that is a good place to stop for today. For part one, I want to give you an opportunity to go back and listen to it several times because I do think that you're going to pick up more information as we go. 
And in part two, we're, we're just going to talk a lot more about it. And then, like I said, we are going to be doing a more thorough look at Raw, uh, probably in April or May. But in the meantime, we, we just recommend you do your own research and get ready for next week's part two of the introduction to Raw. Have a wonderful week.